A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other uh, and colleagues in education is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing (laughs) works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing (laughs) works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other uh, and colleagues in education is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 293 of the Mark Williams Basketball Report. I I am your host, Sam Klein. I am not that clever, but I'm clever enough to make my colleagues laugh. Jason Evans is here. He was just on the press conference with Coach K, and I assume our Lord and Savior, Mark Williams, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. You know, uh, one of the things that they do is they pick two players. To appear on the post-game press conference, and and it's sometimes fun to like, oh, I'm wonder who they're going to pick this game. There was no question; <laughs> it was Mark Williams and Matthew Hurt, um, and Mark Williams was was first. And the funny thing is, so they they ask all us reporters, raise your hand if you got a question for Mark, and literally thirty reporters raise their hands at the same time. They probably and, all the same questions too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and folks, I think you know, Sam, we did we're doing everyone a disservice. We need to give everyone an advance warning. This podcast will be explicit. If there are children in the room, cover their ears. Don't let them hear. We will be swearing on this podcast because that was a game worth swearing about. You have my permission to do that. Donald Wine is also here. Donald, I guess now that Jason has has opened that can of worms, how the fuck are you? I'm doing great. Uh, that was a great win. Uh, I know we're going to talk about it, uh, but uh, while, we're, while we're discussing this, I just want to let you know that I was watching that whole game while drinking a beer because it's been a week already and it's only Wednesday. But thank you to my Blue Devils for getting me out of my funk for at least a little bit. I mean, we all have our funks, but this one was a big one and this win has really helped. So cheers to my cheers, to my Blue Devils. 
Well, if you had before this game that Duke was not only going to beat Louisville, but overcome its total deficit from two other games this season against Louisville, take a bow. 70 to 56 is your final at the Greensboro Coliseum for the Blue Devils over the Cardinals tonight. Prior to this game, Duke had lost by five and by seven. So uh, net on the season, they are up by two against Louisville. And I think we can leave the that matchup there. Let's go to the headlines first. Donald, I'll come to you first. Give me your headline from this game. My headline is Big Mark Energy gives Duke's bus reservation an extension for ACC quarterfinals. Yes, sir. I like it. Jason, what do you got? Mark, Mark, Williams, Williams, double, double dominates. Ooh, very good. Very good. By the way, by the way, I, we'll, we'll, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about this, obviously, but I want to just put out there that uh, I just want to put out there for consideration. We can discuss this during the podcast or whatever uh, to name this podcast 23-19. That's all I'm just, just going to throw that out there. Uh, the, so the, the number of this show is 293, <laughs> which is, is very similar to 2319. So it is. It we'll, has some of the, it has sim- all the same numbers in there. We can I'm, workshop this throughout the episode. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say that that's going to be a little confusing to folks. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. Podcast t- 2,319 shows up. They're going to say, wait a second. I missed a couple thousand. <laughs> well, we've had, we've had episode 31. We've had episode yes. uh, 74, 73. Um, so we've, we've had, we, we have precedent for it. Just, just throwing it out there on the table. We'll, we'll, we can talk about it. We are certainly <laughs> going to remember this one for a long time. My headline, I didn't, I didn't come up with a clever one. I, I do kind of want to steal listener K-Man's headline that he sent us a, a few minutes ago, which was remarkable. But I was going to go with Mark Williams is a problem. That's my headline. Yeah, he is a problem. <laughs> I, it is. I, don't need, I don't know that I need to, I don't know that I need to expound on that. Jason, I'm going to let you go first so that you can, you can have all the fun. Oh, boy. Tell me. Tell me about the good. Tell me about Mark Williams. Wait, wait, wait. Before before he starts, oh, I have yes. to. Before he starts, no, no, no. I claim this when we were That's talking. That's true. Don, I, Donald, let Donald say oh, his phrase first. Go for yes. it. Yes. We, we, this podcast will now refer to our center number 15 as big motherfucking Mark motherfucking Williams, because that's how that man played tonight. It's a lot of syllables, but it's not as many syllables as rebounds that big motherfucking Mark motherfucking Williams pulled down tonight. (laughs) Oh, how did I do? How did I do? Did I get it right? You got it. it. That was perfect. That was perfect. Excellent pronunciation. And thank you. Thank you. I've been working on it. Jason, I'm not going to try this game. I'm not even going to try to, to, that is such a perfect moniker. I'm sure I would screw it up. So I'm just going to talk about him. Um, the amazing thing to me, by the way, is that he seems to unveil something new every game. This game, it was the one-handed catch tip offensive rebound, which he did not have in his arsenal. <laughs> this, this was a brand new, like, like I said, literally every game, Mark Williams unveils something new. It's truly impressive. If I had told you two weeks ago that Mark Williams is going to be probably Duke's best player in the ACC tournament, you would have called the paddy wagon to drag me off to a padded cell where I could spend the rest of my time. His progression over the past few weeks is perhaps the most stunning thing I've ever seen from a Duke player late in the season. The only comparison that comes close is, is what Brian Zubek did back in 2010. But even that I don't think compares because Zubek was, was playing earlier in the year. Williams was barely playing and suddenly he's 23 and 19. The progression for Zubek, I think, is highlighted by the fact that Duke ended up winning both the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament that year. And so we look back on that in a certain way. 
But if you look at it, and I, I can't remember who wrote this article, but I remember reading recently about how Zubek's progression that year was just a matter of like minutes played that his rate stats were all good already. Like he, the underlying metrics on Brian Zubek said from the beginning of the season, he was a great player. It just happened that it was like lineup tinkering that, that took it to the next level for him. Like you said, Jason, for Mark Williams, it's going from playing. I think when we were previewing the Boston college game, we said that he played like six minutes that night at the beginning of ACC season. And now he's playing 30 plus minutes a game and is the best player on the floor. He he played, he played a grand total of zero seconds against Louisville. The first time he played him. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. And, and uh, by the way, he, he set an an ACC tournament freshman record with his 19 rebounds. And I want to tell you very quickly um, about what coach K had to say about Mark in the postgame press conference. Coach K, by the way, started out, this is great. He starts out with a joke and he goes, you know, by the way, Mark only had one rebound in our last game. So he's only averaging 10 rebounds per game. He goes, I gotta, <laughs> he's like, I got to keep his ego uh, under control. I got to keep his ego in check, um, which is very funny from Coach K. But he, he, he praised Mark Williams and Matthew Hurt for playing well, even though they were tired. Coach K said, you know, it's a sign of a great player that, that you get fatigued. You, you know, you play inside, you bang on guys for an entire game and you, and your level of play does not come down. Mark Williams, if anything was better in the second half than he was in the first half, which is truly impressive. And the other thing that coach K said, he said the maturation of big men usually takes a long time and it's just sped up so much for Mark. And, and he said, we need to praise. We need to talk about Nate James, Patrick Tepe, and Keenan Worthington. Because Nate has been the coach who has been staying late, staying after practice, coming before practice, and working hard with Mark Williams. And you can't work with a guy without other guys there to help you work. And it's been Patrick Tepe and Keenan Worthington who have been banging on Mark and just being opponents for him at practices. And Kay said that Mark Williams has earned, he has earned his play, his performance with the amount of hard work he has put in. It's clear this is not just a kid who's supremely gifted, who suddenly the light came on for. This is a kid who works his butt off to make himself better. And that's why I get giddy when I watch him in games now. That's, uh, it is something, just pure, unadulterated joy. Donald, tell me your favorite thing that Mark Williams did in this game. And, and you can select from the new array of offensive moves that he appears to have developed. That's my vote. That's my vote. (laughs) His now uncanny ability to just go up and get the ball, like be, and, and, and maybe that's like on a rebounding basis or on a getting an entry pass basis or on a defensive basis. So what is it about Mark Williams's game that you are most impressed by? Okay. So first of all, I got to tell you his MVP moment of the game occurred on the bench. It was, somehow talking coach K and letting him go back into the game with like a minute left. So he could go for 20 20, rebounds to get 20. Uh, He obviously didn't get it, but you don't win many negotiations. He got, he got got his hand on number 20, but he just just couldn't quite control it. Went out of bounds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But you don't, you don't win many negotiations with coach K. So good on him for being the MVP for that. But I digress for, that was a joke, but I mean, really like Matt Hurt said it. We've said it a lot on this podcast that he learns every single game and he gets better every single game because he takes what he's learned. I I don't think any Duke player, you know, in quite a while that has been that kind of guy that can take literally what he learns in one game and just apply it to the next game so efficiently. And I think that is where he really uh, just has excelled. He was aggressive 
they kept calling him a beast down there. He was playing like a beast. I don't, they kept trying to come up with a name for him. Uh, the landlord is retired, but we need to come up with something for him because like he really earned his keep out there. Uh, as you mentioned, most uh, rebounds by a freshman in ACC tournament game, one more than Ralph Sampson tied for second uh, for most by an ACC or most by a Duke player in an ACC tournament game that, you know, he was tied with Mike Jaminski and only Art Heyman has one more. He has 20. And then amongst freshmen for Duke, only Jello Okafer and Marvin Bagley, the third have more rebounds than him in any game. So that is some rare air that he is stepping into. But the thing about it is he was playing like he was having fun out there. And it, the, the fact that he was able to pass that kind of energy along to everyone else, I think really set the tempo for the game on both offense and defense. The fact that he was getting all those rebounds in the second half, the entire bench was going nuts. Like they were going ape shit on, on, on the sidelines for some of those rebounds. And then when he had that dunk, I mean, there was, a, I mean, when he had that dunk, he basically tipped the rebound to himself, picked it up and then just did a couple pump fakes and then yammed it on people. Like even Coach K ran down the court about 10 feet to like celebrate that one. That was one where you, the entire bench was into it and made it where he was the energy that we have wanted all season. He put it all into that one game. And I'm so proud of him for that. Speaking of energy, Duke displayed a ton of energy on the defensive end of the floor on, in this game. They didn't turn Louisville over too many times, but held them to just 30% shooting from the field. Jason, Tell me about Duke's defensive effort and the way that the Blue Devils were able to clamp down the Louisville offense and Carlick Jones. Yeah, it was tremendously impressive. And, and uh, you know, I was talking about the postgame press conference. Uh, if the first question that every reporter had for Coach K and Mark Williams and Matthew Hurt was about Mark Williams, the second question was about Duke's defense because Duke played different defense than we have at any point this year. Um, Coach K said we were playing a sort of switching man-to-man that almost resembles a zone at times because you switch so much. And he said, it's designed to really protect the paint. And he said this, it's not something we've done. He's, we've done it in the past, in past years, but it's not something we've done at all this year. And he said they had about an hour. <laughs> they had about an hour to put it in place in practice. And the guys took to it so well. And Coach K decided it was the best way to keep the Louisville guards out of the lane. And man, was it ever effective. Carlick Jones, who was like runner-up for ACC Player of the Year, almost certainly the best guard in the ACC, the best guy at controlling the game, at, at getting into the lane and creating opportunities for himself or others, just struggled with that all night long. And I want to I want to bring you back to a key moment. Um, with about six and a half minutes left in the contest, and Louisville fighting for some life. Carlick Jones scored back-to-back buckets. Um, and both of them were sort of his typical getting in there, slicing between you, and, and getting shots close to the rim that you think is impossible for him, but he's, he's unbelievable at doing that kind of thing. Um, and, and he got Louisville to within eight points at that point. And again, six and a half minutes left. Game was not over. <laughs> I was nervous. If you were not nervous, folks, you're not human. Duke clamped down. And, and the guy who did it for the most part was Wendell Moore. Who, who was guarding Carlick Jones for most of the game and had a, a absolutely phenomenal game on defense against Carlick Jones. But after those two buckets with six and a half minutes left, Carlick Jones did not score again. And, and, you know, I just think for Duke to have played this well on defense, this is a team that has struggled on defense. 
you know, if you look at our advanced metrics, we're way better on offense than we are on defense. Uh, even after this game being factored in for us to hold Louisville under 60 points for us to hold Carlick Jones down that much. And, and by the way, speaking of all the, the switching, and then I'll let you guys jump in. It, it, there were plenty of times where Matthew Hurt and Mark Williams and even Henry Coleman found themselves on the perimeter guarding Carlick Jones. And at those moments, I'm sure as a Duke fan, you're looking, you're going, uh, something bad's about to happen. This isn't a matchup that can possibly work. But because Duke was sagging so much, we were almost playing a pack line kind of defense. We were sagging so much. We were helping so well. And these guys played so disciplined. Carlick Jones was not able to take advantage of those moments. That's the story of the game, people. Because it's not like Duke scored 80-plus points. We only got to 70. We won this game on our defense. As great as we were at other things, we won this game on our defense. And I want to say that, you know, tying into that, I think there's a lot of times where they came down the floor and they were looking, like you said, to cut it to 10, 9, 8, maybe even 7 or 6. And we were able to make them force a bad shot. And we got the rebound and went. And it wasn't just Mark Williams rebounding. I mean, shout out to Wendell Moore. I know you talked about his defense. He also had seven rebounds. DJ Stewart had six rebounds. Matthew Hurd had five rebounds. Like, they were all active on the glass. And even, you know, those rare times where Mark, or Mark Williams didn't get the rebound, one of those guys was right there to clean up the glass. So I, I really liked how we were playing defense, but I really liked how we limited them for the most part to just one shot. If they missed it, we were out and we were we were getting the ball and we had control. Even in the second half, when you think about it, yeah, Jason, you said you were nervous when we were, you know, when they crept to within eight. It when you think back at now, that's about as close as they got, like in the second half. Like every time we got to eight, we're kind of like, hey, you know, if we could just get a stop, like and get this, we would get a stop, we'd turn around, we'd go back down the floor, we'd make a shot, and bam, we're back up 10 or 11. And the momentum is gone. So we were really good, especially after that first half, which I know we'll talk about being able to limit their momentum and just get it where they let reel them in and then just shut them down. We were able to do that in the second half so efficiently. And I think that's what gave us the game. We talked in the preview about limiting Louisville's potent offensive threats. Those being, I think, Carlick Jones and Jalen Withers, Jones obviously from the outside, and, and Withers being the big man, and David and, John and David Johnson, and David Johnson, it's a, it's a three-headed who, monster for them. And, yeah. and David Johnson had a, had a pretty good game tonight, fourteen points on twelve shots, but Jalen Withers six points on six shots, and Carlick Jones just thirteen points on fourteen shots. That is a recipe for success against Louisville. That is exactly what Jason was talking about. And by the way, the effort on Jones was because we were playing that that switching almost matchup uh, style zone, the, the burden fell on everybody. And, you know, the, I, I think I was very impressed by all of Duke's guards tonight. I think Jeremy Roach in particular had a, a strong defensive game. He didn't play a ton of minutes cause he got in some foul trouble, but he was aggressive on defense tonight in a way that I don't think we've seen yet from him. And, and he appeared to be a little bit more comfortable on the defensive end tonight. Jason, I want to send it back to you because I know you've got a comment for us on the most important shot of the evening. What was that for you? Yes, and I think there's no question about this. If you look back on this game, you'll go, oh, as soon as I say that, you're going to go, oh, yeah, you're right. Louisville, so <laughs> Louisville ran off a 16-0 to run, in case you weren't paying attention. <laughs> uh, I remember that. At the end of the first half, Duke was leading by 14, and suddenly, and I'm going to talk more about that a little bit when we get to the bad, but Louisville ran off 16 points in a row. Um, and you want to talk about nervous. I, I mean, if, if you're someone who wears Duke blue, you were incredibly panicked that moment. And 
Duke then ran a play and coach K said in the post-game press conference, John Shire called this play from the sidelines. Shire saw something and he recognized that this play would be there. And the play was our final possession of the half where we got an open three-pointer from Matthew Hurt on the corner and Matthew Hurt buried a three-pointer to break that 16, nothing lead at 16, nothing run and give Duke the lead going into the halftime. Look, it was not the lead we expected to have. We thought we were going to have a nice lead at halftime. One point is not huge. Um, but I think from a psychological standpoint, that shot breaking that 16, nothing run by them. And then getting that shot is like, it's like it lifted a weight off our shoulders. And then we were able to start the second half with another run, give ourselves a comfortable lead, which we never gave up that shot by Matthew hurt. He had a lot of big plays in this game. He played great. That shot to me was the most important shot of this game bar none. And with Matthew hurt. I mean, I thought he had a tremendous game on the offensive end, especially because if you recall the last game, I mean, he had half our points. He had 37 points. He had 20 tonight, and you're thinking, ah, that's kind of a letdown there. But the thing about it was he was being focused in on by the Louisville defense on every single possession. They were like, there's no way. He may get his shots off, but there's no way we're going to let Mark, uh, we're going we're to let Matthew Hurt beat us. And he, he did beat it. He did beat them. He was, part of the, he was part of the equation because he was able to get his shots off even with double teams in his face or guys shifting to make sure that he was always, always had a man on him. He was getting some offensive rebounds and putting the back up. Mark Williams was getting rebounds and passed, dumping it off to him. Absolutely. Just a, a remarkable game, given the defense that was thrown at him individually for him to be able to respond and still get 20 points. That is a class. That is a class game, uh, class performance by Matthew Hurt. Hey guys, before we get done with our good, I've got two sort of funny things that I saw on replay. Folks, if you still have this game on your DVR and you want to go back and, and check it out, there were two really, really great moments. Um, the first one was, uh, I think it was with about, oh God, it was about nine minutes left in the game. Matthew Hurd had that play. Jay Billis called him out for traveling. Um, Matthew, if you watch the replay of that, Matthew Hurt walks like at least three different times. It's, it's so bad. It's like, hey, but I didn't need Jay telling me that. I see, I see that. We have, we have HDTVs now. He don't have to tell me about how many times he traveled. He can just let, just let that go, man. It was, it was hysterical. <laughs> the replay, the, the slow motion replay of that, to watch Bar, uh, Matthew Hurt's feet. It just, I mean, like his pivot foot changes like eight times. It's hysterical. I, I just thought it was very, very funny. And then the other one that I wanted to note for everybody, um, Jeremy Roach, uh, who hit two big three-pointers in this game. The, the second of them, he's kind of coming down. It's like on a fast break, and, and he pulls up. It's, it's not a shot you expect him to take. He hits that three-pointer right in Carlick Jones's face. If you watch the replay, after he buries it, he gives Carlick Jones a little pat on the butt. Gives him a little like, hey, buddy. He, he, ran, back, he ran back down the thing. He like literally looked when he did that. He kind of did it and kind of looked right at him and just you know held up the three sign. Was like, <laughs> yeah. And just, but he didn't say anything. He just kind of like looked off into space through Carlick Jones. It was like three. <laughs> I just loved him giving a little tap on the ass to the guy who's been our nemesis this season. It was a great moment. Great moment. I thought when you were talking about Jay Billis's commentary, you were going to mention him. Uh, shit talking Mark Williams' free throw shooting ability, and then Mark Williams proceeding to drain both of the. Free I love throws. that. Yeah. That okay. Was <laughs> I, I was going to mention this real quick. If Mark Williams, because right now, right now, as the last like seven games or so, he's averaging seventy percent from the floor. If he can average seventy percent from the line, oh lord, like <laughs> basket, like you, you, you. I mean, Sam, you think he's a problem now? Like my god, like. If you can't but, foul him, yeah, if you, you're if, you're if in, you yeah. If you're gonna foul him and he's gonna make these shots, game over. 
So let's take a few minutes and look at the bad from this game to the extent that there can be bad in a game where Duke only gives up 56 points to the to a Louisville team that has a great offense. Donald, I'll come to you first. Give me give me a point of bad from this game. As we know, it's ACC tournament week, so whatever is bad, there is not a lot of time to fix. Yeah, well, I, I'll let you guys talk about the 16-0 run or, or not talk about it. I think we kind of established that that was a low point, but I think the low point that is most concerning to me is that we didn't get any points from our bench tonight. And uh, that's something that we're going to need. We're, we're going to have guys that, you know, maybe get in foul trouble. I mean, as we get through this tournament, every single day, our guys are going to be more and more tired. You, I mean, Jason, you alluded that uh, Coach K mentioned that these guys are already tired. So we're going to need our bench to have efficient minutes when they are on the floor. And, and I think on defense, I think, you know, Henry Coleman, I thought did fairly well on defense is just that, the ball's not going into the hole. They're not making free throws. They're going to need to contribute a little bit on the offensive end just to keep those defenses honest and make sure that when they're in the game, they, the defense knows that they're not getting a rest when the bench is on the, on the floor. Yeah, that, that's basically my, my bad for this game was fatigue and the fact that our bench did not play very much. We only got 15 total minutes from Coleman, Brakefield, and Joey Baker, who are our deep bench guys. Those are the guys that, you know, you know, you would hope that they'd get a little more time so we'd stay fresh for FSU tomorrow. Um, Matthew Hurt, Wendell Moore, and DJ Stewart all played 36-plus minutes. Mark Williams played 32 minutes. I mean, whew, those guys, uh, I hope they, you know, take a little nap on the bus ride back, back to Durham. Um, and, by the way, the other thing about the bench is, and I, I mentioned this last game, and I think we got confirmation of it this game. This is not a bad. This is just something to note. Uh, Henry Coleman has unquestionably replaced Jamin Brakefield in the in the front court rotation. Henry Coleman is now, you know, Mark Williams' backup. He he's the, uh, you know, the the sort of the first big off the bench for Duke, um, which is I just wanted to note it because it's important. That is a change from from what Duke had been doing earlier when Jamin Brakefield appeared to be the the backup big man. And looking forward to Florida State, I know we'll get into them a little bit more, but FSU brings true bigs to the game. And if we're talking about backup bigs for Duke, Henry Coleman is more of a true center post player where Jamin Brakefield is really more of a wing player that happens to be big enough to guard a little bit in the post for short stretches. So that also, it's not just a, it's not just a quality of play thing, but if you're trying to do matchups, Henry Coleman's going to match up a little bit better against Florida state. I didn't have much to add on the, on the bad tonight. I think you guys covered the shortcomings of the bench. Hopefully, on the topic of of them getting rest because this game was not competitive down the stretch hopefully that there wasn't quite as much energy exerted tonight and the guys can get a little bit of a, a good night's sleep in preparation for the game tomorrow jason round out the bad for us and then we can take a break and look forward to dukes finally getting to play florida state this year so the only other little bad thing i have i just do want to mention that 16 nothing run and by the way uh, folks i have i have evidence i have proof uh, I, I sent Sam and Donald, a, when Duke was up 14 points in the first half, I sent them a note. This is before Louisville had scored a single additional point. And I said, I don't feel good about this lead. Louisville is playing terrible. We should be leading by more than this. And then like Nostradamus, I was 100% right. And Louisville promptly goes in a 16-0 run. I've never hated being a psychic that much in my life. And while you were doing that, Jay Billis on the broadcast was like, Louisville just doesn't hit that many threes. They need to start hitting threes if they're going to get back in this ballgame. It literally, as he's saying, bang, that, bang, yeah, bang, bang, two threes. And they're like, we're like, Jay, just, just shut up. Like, I love you. Don't think, 
get out of the way. <laughs> You're messing things up. And by the way, at, at that point, it was, I mean, they were off and running. And, and like you said, it was, it was a very quick 16 to nothing run. It wasn't like one that drew out over, you know, eight, 10 minutes. It was like two and a half minutes and it was a ball game. Yeah. And I want to point out that during that run, I mean, obviously Louisville was there. They've been playing terrible offense. They started to play a little bit better, but part of what contributed to it was I thought Duke just panicked on offense. We, we played very poorly. We had some possessions that were just like, we had one possession where Henry Coleman was, you know, trying to, to drive and create for himself. And I was a little bit, you know, I love Henry, love Henry to death. That's not Henry's role. <laughs> and uh, other than Hurt and Williams, there's really no one on Duke who had a good offensive game in this game. Duke only had 11 assists on 26 made baskets. That's something we've talked about a lot for this team. Uh, yeah, we scored 70 points. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think 70 points is going to get it done against Florida State. They're too good an offensive team. Um, so we need to find other offensive weapons other than the, the Mark Williams offensive rebound and Matthew Hurt for, for the next game. But real quick, I don't think we've responded better at any point during the season than we did by coming out for the second half. Like that Amen. second half Amen. was a terrific response to that 16-0 run to end the first half by Louisville. And looking ahead, we said that we're playing Florida State tomorrow night. We need to preview that game. First, we'll take a quick break so we can put this Louisville game to bed, and we will be right back. So as we mentioned, Duke plays Florida State tomorrow night in the quarterfinals of the ACC tournament. Florida State is the number two seed in the ACC after a 15 and five season in which they went 11 and four in conference. Leonard Hamilton's team has been excellent most of this season, although they have dropped two of their last three. And I imagine as we get into the preview that we are going to talk a bit about their recent losses and how maybe those losses are instrumental or, or instructive to Duke in how to take down the Seminoles and, and position Duke back in, in a place where they might actually feel like they could win this thing. So Donald, I'll come to you first. You are our, our guy for, for looking back at the recent schedule. Tell me about Florida State's season because Duke has not played them yet this year. We had one game on the schedule against them. That game was quote unquote postponed due to COVID and never made up. So this is the first time Duke is getting to play Florida state this year. As I said, they have two losses in their last three. So Donald, tell me about that recent string for Florida state and what it might portend for Duke tomorrow night. Well, first off, uh, I need people out there to fact check us because I'm pretty sure that this would be the first time that an ACC, two ACC teams have met for the first time that season in the ACC tournament. I know this is a, a wild year. I think that just adds to how wild this year is. Uh, but I think when it comes to Florida State, you, you're right. The last couple of games, they to that point, to basically the last week in February, they were the best team in the ACC to beat. They had played very well. They were very consistent, uh, beating, beating some very difficult teams. I, I, to that point, their only losses were to UCF, Clemson, and Georgia Tech. And even with Virginia, they beat the brakes off Virginia by 21 at home. They were very, very good at home. They're very good on the road, very tough, beating some tough teams in tough places. And then the last week of the season, week-ish of the season, they lost at Notre Dame, excuse me, they lost at North Carolina by eight in a game where they really just didn't shoot the ball well and they didn't play to their standards. And still, 
with that, they came back, they beat Boston College by 31. And all of a sudden, okay, they're in the driver's seat. All they have to do is beat Notre Dame away and they will win the ACC and be the number one seat. Well, they go to Notre Dame and as we as Duke fans have experienced, South Bend is a difficult place to play. So they ended up losing by 10 to Notre Dame uh, at that game. And that gave Virginia the one seed in the ACC tournament. The one thing that I will say about them, and I know you guys will talk briefly about this, so I'll be brief. They shoot threes very well. When they don't shoot threes very well, that is when you can get them. Uh, They're 14th in the country in three-point shooting. We have to limit their opportunities, contest shots, do what we did today. Today against Louisville was a little bit different because we know Louisville doesn't shoot well. So we gave them some of those shots. We got to get our hands into their faces for some of these threes. The one thing I think is going to be the biggest battle, and you guys can can probably verify this, especially Jason with the stats, we need to rebound well. This team is the tallest team in the country, and they have bigs on bigs on bigs. Their bigs have bigs. Their, their bench has bigs. I think even their chairs are taller than the average chairs that they sit in because everyone's so big. So we have to be big. We have, I mean, Mark Williams, you know, we need to make sure that he gets 19 again, uh, but we also need other guys to help him out. We need, you know, Matt Hurt, uh, even the, Henry Coleman and Jamin Brakeford off the bench. They got to be big off the bench. They got to come in really ready to play because FSU's bigs are really going to, and they have a lot of them. They'll just, you know, Leonard Helmton, the national treasure that he is, will throw everybody at us, uh, but the kitchen sink. And sometimes kitchen sink enters the game when you're at Florida State. So you have to be ready to bang, bang in the post. We've been playing two days in a row. That's where this battle is. That's the X factor to me because we're going to be coming in. We're going to have two games under our belt. They are coming off of a loss. They may be rested, but they're going to be punishing us inside. If we can win that battle or at least neutralize that battle, we have a really good chance to beat Florida State. So Jason, Donald told us about Florida State's ability to shoot the ball and also their rebounding acumen, which is something that we can always expect from Leonard Hamilton's teams. So it is your turn to walk us through the advanced statistics on Florida State. What do the Seminoles do really well? And what do you think is something that Duke can exploit from them looking at the team stats? Donald stole my thunder, by the way. I mean, dude, (laughs) they're the biggest team in the country. Ken Pomeroy says they are the tallest team in the land. So that tells you a lot about what you need to do when you're facing them. Um, but, but let me back up and, and just you know, give you the most basic of the advanced stats. That This is the number 14 team in the land. According to Ken Pomeroy, they are the 11th best offensive team, the 48th best defensive team. Uh, as, as Donald mentioned, an excellent three-point shooting team. You cannot let them go off from the outside. They hit 38.5% of their threes. Like Donald said, 14th best in the country. They are not, though, a team that shoots a ton of threes. They have a fairly even, even balanced scoring between shooting twos, shooting threes, getting free throws, stuff like that. Um, they, uh, so, so it's not the kind of team where they're just going to bomb, bomb, bomb the whole game. They look for opportunities to take those threes, and when they get that opportunity, they, they tend to hit it. Um, they're a very strong offensive rebounding team, 16th best offensive rebounding team in the country. I mean, look, we faced North Carolina the other day, and, and we were able to – stop them from being, you know, Carolina's the best offensive rebounding team around. And we were able to stop Carolina from getting too many offensive rebounds. The rest of the game didn't go too well, (laughs) but we did stop Carolina from doing that. So that's an important thing for Duke to focus on. Um, And then, uh, you know, as I talk about the D, a function of their size is of course, block shots. With a team that long, with a team that tall, 
Uh, you would expect this. They're the eighth best team in the country at blocking shots. As a result of that, um, they are the 11th best team in the country at two-point field goal percentage defense. So the, the fact that they're blocking all those shots means you're not hitting a lot of two-pointers. Uh, teams only hit 44% of their two-point shots, which is a really low number. Um, and, and that is a key part of what Florida State accomplishes. But a team that goes for block shots the way Florida State does sometimes struggles on the defensive boards. And for a team as tall as Florida State is, they are not a great defensive rebounding team. You can get offensive putback buckets against them. So that will be an important thing. Now, I would love to come here and tell you about all the stuff Coach K told me on the postgame press conference about how he was going to game plan Florida State but he had an admission to make coach K said these words. He said, I haven't watched Florida state at all since, you know, new years when we were going to play them and the game got canceled. He said, I'm sure they've changed. I'm sure they're a different team. I have no idea what that team is. I mean, he didn't literally say it like this, but this was the point of it. He said, you know, I've been focused on whoever our next opponent is. Now is the moment that I get to start focusing on Florida state. I'm sure one of the guys on the coaching staff is preparing a, a game plan. That's why he's a staff. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's why he's got a big staff. I'm sure that I'm sure that the the entire bus ride back to Durham will be spent with them discussing, you know, giving the scouting report, discussing what they need to do. But I will tell you, and I believe he was telling the truth, Coach K had no idea what he was going to do about Florida State coming out of that win over Louisville. And but hey, you know what? Against Louisville, we put in something brand new. We practiced it for an hour. It worked great. So. Hopefully we'll figure out something to stop these Florida State uh, Seminoles because they are a very, very good team. Yep. Big does not do them justice. They're huge, these guys. And and it's I'll, I'll, I'll take you through a couple guys that are important here that, that sort of tell you. Raekwon Gray is the junior big man that just gobbles up rebounds for them at, at both ends of the court. And you would look at him and say, well, 6'8", 260, he's big. But, you know, whatever, you can overcome him. When he comes out of the game, uh, Balsa Kopravika, I don't think I'm getting his name correctly, but Balsa Kopravika is a freshman 71260 guy from Serbia. So he's going to come in to spell Raekwon Gray at center. So good luck to Mark Williams and to the rest of the gang tomorrow night in, in pulling down those rebounds. I am so excited to see how Mark Williams does against a team that is flush with big men. And then the other thing that Donald talked about was the three-point shooting Anthony Polite and senior MJ Walker, who's kind of the, the leader of this team, this Florida State team. I think every Duke fan will remember MJ Walker, but Polite and Walker are both great three-point shooters. They can really shoot it uh, both over 40% from three. So, so those are the guys you kind of have to shut down. There is a reason that Florida State is, is 15 and five on the season. They've got a lot of weapons, both small and big. So the one thing that you mentioned, you mentioned Anthony Polite. He he's going to shoot threes. He's the one guy that's like, if you if you have a guy that's like, you know, going to be trigger happy from beyond the arc, it's that is him. Uh, but he again, he doesn't shoot that many either. But the one thing I will say about this team is that they are the purest definition of team because you know they have a lot of guys that are really good. But when you look at the ACC end of season wars that we talked about last podcast, you don't see many Florida State guys on it. You see. You know, MJ Walker on the second team and you see Raekwon Gray on the third team, like those guys, they have a lot of guys who are really good, but together they are absolutely incredible to watch. And there's a guy for Florida state who is a freshman who's been kind of doing it all for them, but is just not quite at that level where he was making all ACC, although he's been one of the best freshmen in the ACC this year. And we haven't 
really talked about him much, although we've referred to him on previous shows, and that's Scotty Barnes, who has had a number of, of big highlights for Florida State this year, was a, was a top recruit. This is a guy that Duke had had initially recruited back when he was in high school. So, so this is you know not a Florida State gigantic guy that they just plucked out of nowhere. This was a uh, five-star, you know, really talented high school player. And, and he's also going to be a, a star for Florida State. He's the, he's the guy that leads them in usage. He's, he's, he's really got the ball in his hands a lot. Jason, tell us a little bit more about Scotty Barnes. Yeah, wow. This kid, he's clearly among the five best freshmen in the country. He won ACC Freshman of the Year. He also won ACC Sixth Man of the Year. Um, so this dude, he's a stud. And he will be, you will hear his name called very early when the NBA draft happens in a few months. But we have to deal with him first. Uh, one, one of the remarkable things about Scotty Barnes is for a freshman who is a, a stud athlete, he's 6'9", he's um, he, he is incredibly talented and skilled and mature in his game. And he does, frankly, he does everything well. They run the, the team through him when he's in the game. His ability to create opportunities for other players is phenomenal for a player his size and his, his with, you know, with his uh, maturity being only a freshman. He averages more than four assists per game. He averages more than four rebounds per game. This is a guy who, uh, you know, he'll grab rebounds and get out on the fast break. He is a matchup nightmare at 6'9", 225, 230 pounds. I mean, I don't know. I guess Wendell Moore, but I, I'm just not sure who for Duke matches up with him. Frankly, I'm not sure who, you know, guys who aren't in the NBA match up with him. This is a guy who he looks every bit the part of a, of a future NBA, uh, a, you know, wing. Um, and, and he is just a fabulous, fabulous ball player. You know, we, we, we start off this podcast saying Mark Williams is a problem. Scotty Barnes is a problem. Uh, if anything, the, one of the remarkable things about Florida State is when they go to their bench, they are a better team than their starters because that's how good Scotty Barnes is. I'm terrified of this kid. Uh, he's, he's ready to just go off. And I, I think you nailed it when you said that maybe Wendell Morgan is put on him. I think that's a good challenge for him too. I think that's something that maybe tonight the coaching staff is like, Wendell, this dude's better than you. You want, you want to go, you want to go get him and issue that challenge to him to really knuckle down on him because I think that is a really good matchup. And if that happens, it'll be great to watch from a neutral standpoint for us. We're going to be like, yo man, don't let him get you too bad. But like, yeah, Scotty Barnes is going to be someone to watch out for and uh, has been doing it all season, but I do think that he can be neutralized. Uh, and I think Wendell Moore might be that guy. And, and by the way, one of the things to look out for about Scotty Barnes, he's one of these guys who has a great knack for getting steals and getting out there and, and embarrassing you and putting you on a poster um, he's one of the leading steel guys in the ACC. You cannot let him turn those turnovers into quick, easy baskets for Florida State. That is a formula for not competing with, with the Seminoles. Two areas of concern, I think, looking at this game for Duke, as far as things that, that have challenged the Blue Devils this year. One is the, the depth matchup here. Jason, you talked about how Florida State, when they go to the bench, are arguably better than when they have the starting lineup in because of Scotty Barnes. Duke does not have that kind of uh, bench production that they can sort of match up there. So, so there's going to be a little bit of uh, rotation chess going on between these two teams tomorrow night. The other thing to me that's concerning is Matthew Hurt with the fouls as it pertains to, to going up against some of those big guys like Barnes, like Raekwon Gray, who, who can really body you up. 
So look for Matt Hurt to hopefully be getting out of the way and not drawing those fouls. We need Matt Hurt to be playing 35 minutes tomorrow and and filling up the stat sheet for Duke to be able to keep pace with the Seminoles team that, that's you know been top 15 in Ken Palm basically the whole season. And the other thing that I worry about is Florida State's size, not just from the standpoint of being tall, but thick, big guys. And Mark Williams, look, uh, you know, Mark Williams played against Jalen Withers. Jalen Withers is a, is a big boy, but these kids are Florida State. These guys run 250, 260 plus across their front line. That is not something that Mark Williams has faced very much this year. And as, as long as Mark Williams is, as big as Mark Williams is, I, I don't know that he's faced guys as strong as these Florida State players. It's going to be a real, real test for him, I think, to not get in foul trouble and and still be able to do the things he's been successful at lately against guys who can probably just move him out of the way because they barely feel he's even there. So we will be back after the Florida State game. The This represents a huge challenge for Duke. They haven't played a team this good since they played Virginia a few weeks ago, and that turned out well for Duke. Hopefully they can channel some of that energy and bring another win uh, to the program tomorrow night, but we will you leave know, it but, there. Other, hey, by yes. the way, Sam, really quick. I just want, sorry, I've been jumping in. I just want to say I'm really excited for this. Absolutely. Um, it, it, not just because, you know, it's a chance for Duke to, to keep on winning and the such, but if we find a way to beat Florida state, we are going to be the talk of all of college basketball. Everyone will be eager to see if we can do what was thought to be somewhat impossible. Five wins in five days. Um, at the moment, you know, we're still clearly on the outside looking in at the bubble. And, and I'm not even sure that beating Florida State gets us in. In fact, I think it probably doesn't. I think we need to do more work after that. But it's just really exciting to have this chance. This team has put us in a position where I think there's starting to be some real buzz about Duke. And I'm telling you, we beat Florida State. Suddenly, everyone is going to be talking about what this Duke team is doing in March. Let's just go 1-0 tomorrow. We'll, we'll let everything Amen. fall in place. If we go 1-0 yep. tomorrow, that means we're, we're back here tomorrow night talking about us beating Florida State. Let's do that. I, can I like doing those. I can confidently report that I have not actually looked at the bracket to see who Duke might be facing after this game. So and you play shall Florida not. State. Do not. Florida State. <laughs> and, and, and we'll see you hopefully soon after the game tomorrow. But we will leave it there for episode 293 of the Mark Williams Basketball Report for Jason Evans and for Donald Wine. I'm Sam Klein. Stay in touch with us in all the usual places, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Leave us reviews, et cetera, et cetera. We've been getting a ton of emails this week, so that's been great. But we will see you again very, very soon. And until then, here is the Duke Band to take us home. Donald, Donald, I need to hear Mark Williams' name one more time. Big motherfucking Mark motherfucking Williams. Yeah. I like it with the with 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 the with the little sing song there. That's good. Oh, you gotta sing, you gotta sing his name when he does 23 and 19. He's earned it.